0: Welcome back to another edition of Answering Religious Error. We come to you every Tuesday for the Answering Religious Error live Bible study. And uh, we've had several subjects over the past few years. And now we are talking about why I believe. I think these questions, no matter who you are uh, listening, encourage others to listen. They're going to be interested in uh, answering these questions and being ready to give a defense, as Peter says, For the hope that is within us, so we would ask that everyone tune in each Tuesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, as uh, we have changed over the past few weeks, and most of you are used to that new schedule by now. So all of Answering Religious Error programs fall on noon, including our live Bible Q and A. Every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, you can come back to Facebook here or YouTube and you can be a part of that particular program. So if you have a question, go ahead and send those questions in to questions at com. <clears throat> you can also comment on facebook.com or um, youtube.com uh, and go to the Answering Religious Error pages. Just remember, if you watch these programs on a shared page, in other words, you are going to a friend's Facebook page to uh to watch our program we won't be able to see your comments so uh we can't answer everything uh or comments but uh, they'll be out there for everyone to see and we get quite a few we had a bunch last week we just couldn't get to but we appreciate everyone who who listens and participates a bit and gives us a little bit of inspiration as we are trying to encourage you with god's word but we also encourage you to start each day with a podcast um, you can find our programs on Answer Religious Error at, after the original show airs. For instance, we'll finish this program, and then later this afternoon, you'll be able to listen to us on a podcast. But every day from Monday through Friday, you can tune in as early as 5 a.m. Eastern Time and listen to the Daily Answer podcast. That's our own Mark Dunnigan, who shares with you some inspiration from God's Word, his own life, his experiences, and uh, you can just hear a new story every single day 15, 20 minutes of your time while you get ready for work or while you're driving down the road, listen to the Daily Answer podcast. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussions of why I believe and talk about a big one, why I believe in God. So we hope that you'll join us for this study. And um, gentlemen, it's good to be with you today. We have with us Mark Dunnigan, as always, Terry. hope I'm not chopping up on you too much. Uh, there's been a little bit of internet lag, so I do apologize. But before we begin uh, with our questions, uh, let's start with a uh, a prayer. And uh, Mark Gibson, would you mind
1: leading us in that prayer? Certainly. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're very thankful to thee for the beautiful day that all of us are enjoying, no matter where we're at. We're thankful, Father, that you hold the world in your hands And that you sustain this universe for us we're thankful father that you have left so much evidence of yourself both in nature and in your word we pray father as we consider the matter of faith in you your existence your will your word that we may rightly divide the truths that you have shown us both uh, in your word and in nature we pray father that minds and and hearts may be open to all of this evidence. Be with those that are with us today listening, that you'll bless them and help us all to do those things that are always pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mark Dunigan, good to be with you
0: today.
2: Uh, Good to be with you too, Chris and Terry and Mark. Great to be on the show. We got some questions here. The questions maybe are not, Maybe they're not necessarily the question that the audience might want to start with, but I thought these are just some good questions. So we're going to cover uh, kind of different different aspects of this question. But I want to start with Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So that they are without excuse. That seems to be the Holy Spirit's like final word on the matter. Actually, it's probably, a. it seems like the counterpart of Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. There is no actual sermon, but there it is a sermon. And every day and every night, anyone on anywhere in the planet gets the same sermon. There is a God. There is a God. And I, I like how Romans one twenty the Holy Spirit says, without excuse, without excuse. Now, you might not know what you need to be doing. You need the Bible to find out what to do to be saved and how to live. But the creation itself clearly points you to a creator. And if, if, if you can't see that, then you're not qualified to speak about the creation, <laughs> you might say. But we have our first question here, Chris, let's throw that up. We have a, I think we have about five questions maybe today. And so I think we got a good crew to go through these great answers. What? Mm. So I'm counting six
0: questions today. There
2: we go. Well, we'll get through them. We will get through them. I have confidence (laughs) in our people. Um, First of all, what about the claim that real scientists do not believe in God? Sometimes you'll hear that. Maybe you have heard that. What do you say, gentlemen?
3: I say that that's just not correct. Real scientists, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, expectation that this group of people are the most knowledgeable people. and And they're knowledgeable because they have done the science. And what they mean by that is that they have used the techniques of discovery. Uh, that eliminate every other possibility. But that, that's not so. I think, it's, I think it's interesting that some of the greatest minds do believe in God. And Henry Mar- Morris uh, was one of those who made this observation. He said many years ago, he said, the reason most scientists believe in evolution as opposed to believing in creation— believe in evolution, is because they have been told that most scientists believe in evolution. In other words, they haven't done personally the science and of discovery themselves. They haven't done the hard work. They have been told that you look at the evidence only with the lens of philosophical naturalism. That is, you try to eliminate every other possibility. Uh, you can't consider the possibility that there is a God because you can't see him. You can't touch him. You can't you can't uh, feel him. There is there is no way that you can include him in the scientific method. So if you start with that premise that you're going to look at evidence without a, any consideration that God could have created this, uh, then you're going to be looking at the evidence uh, from a prejudicial perspective. And so your conclusions are going to be different than somebody who has uses the lens of the, uh, of the uh, creation as God creating everything. So real scientists do start with a prejudice. And uh, it either is a prejudice that says God has, God has merit. There is merit to the existence of God. And that's, that merit comes to us not through uh, the scientific method that philosophical naturalists use, but through a lens that's that's inclusive of God. And so there are many scientists that allow the inclusion of God, especially when God has spoken and God has entered the human experience historically and he has given us um, tools of knowledge that maybe not can be something you put under the microscope, but you can come through the, testimony of 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 what has been declared and what has been revealed and shown so if you look at it through one lens you're going to look at the same evidence and you're going to come to a different conclusion than those who look with another it depends on what lens you are looking through is it all natural or is it possible that god has also entered the human experience he has testified, and we include that available knowledge. That's what science is. The word scientist means knowledge. How do you know something? How, what, how do you come to conclusions? So each scientist doesn't reach their own conclusions. They are influenced by other things, and some of them are just trying to get the grade at school, They're just trying to get the or they may be trying to get the donations or the money promised by corporations. And so there are things that influence their, uh, the, the outcome of their, their conclusions. They're actually corrupt influences that influences many, many scientists. So don't do a numbers game. Don't, don't pretend that, that all scientists, have actually done the tests and have come to their conclusions without any kind of prejudice at all uh, they do come to the table with prejudice and that influences the way that they see the evidence so the evidence stays the same but how you look at the evidence uh, it determines the outcome of what you conclude so many real scientists do come to the conclusion that the Bible is true, that the God that is testified there is, is accurate, and that uh, all other available knowledge agrees with that. Those are some of my thoughts.
2: Terry, good observations. Um, you know, it's interesting. The, the reason that we have the, the, the foundation for science, genuine science, is, is the understanding that if you, if you approach creation with the understanding that it's designed, that that a great mathematician and engineer, an all-powerful God, an all-wise God put it together, then it makes sense to study it because it would operate on logical principles. And if we're made in God's image, and if He told us to have dominion, as He did, then um, we can probably take we can probably make a world a little bit better, or we can take some things in this world and bring about medicines and things like that. We, we can, we can harness this and we can harness that. We can, we, we can energy and, and you name it. We, we can, we can add more comforts to our world. Um, and, and the question is, what do we see? Do we see a universe that's designed at every level? Do we see a universe where life is at a razor's edge in this universe that we don't see just all life out there everywhere. We see life here on the earth and it's on a razor's edge with all these parameters exactly dialed in? Uh, do we see amazing design at the, at the simplest level? Do we see interplay between different ecosystems and creatures and things like that? What do you see when you study the creation? Mark Gibson, what do you
1: got? Well, adding to what Terry said, historically, from the Reformation on down into the 1800s, most scientists were Bible believers, or at least God believers. Uh, They were usually clergymen. They were usually involved in uh, religious organizations. Um, The turning point came with uh, Darwin's uh, theory of evolution, the publication of The Origin of Species in the mid-1800s. And then uh, those that weren't so inclined then had an excuse to uh, deny God, uh, trumpet their atheism, and to color their scientific research as uh, as Terry pointed out with that presupposition and unfortunately since then many most educational institutions and their science departments have been largely uh, atheistic uh, of the general theory of evolution rules and you simply cannot get through those with a degree uh, unless you bow at the knee at the altar of evolution That caused some in the mid 20th century, uh, yeah, the mid 20th century, to try to bring about some places where those who believed in God could also uh, gain some academic uh, standard or standings. Uh, Terry mentioned Henry Morris, who was a uh, PhD in hydrology. Uh, He uh, in. Uh, in California, uh, uh, brought about the ICR, the Institute for Creation Research, and since you mentioned him, Terry, I mentioned one of his books called "Men of Men of Science, Men of God." Uh, if you have, it's not in print now, but you can find it in secondhand uh, bookstores online, and that will give you a li- a long list of scientists who believe in God. And I wrote down a few here. I just wonder if anybody believes that they are real scientists. Copernicus, who was the father of astronomy. He believed in God. Galileo, uh, who, in fact, went against the Roman Catholic Church to uh, to determine that the, the earth revolved around the sun, not the other way. He was a believer in God in the Bible. Uh, Sir Francis Bacon, who, uh, who established the scientific method, he was a believer in God. Pascal who was a mathematician, a physicist. He, Boyle, uh, who uh, Boyle's law, a gas law that we still use today was a believer in God. Faraday, who established electromagnetism and induction. Uh, Mendel, the father of genetics. Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, who established the theory of gravita- gra- uh, gravitation, invented calculus. George Washington Carver, more on closer to our time, the father of agriculture and those things, all believers in God. But, you know, people today don't want you to know that. Don't want you to know that these scientists who established some of the very basics of science and were the fathers of various various sections of science were all believers in God. That did not hinder their research. I dare say it helped their research. Uh, so that just shows real scientists don't believe in God. Nonsense. Mark, great observation. Thanks for giving
2: the quotes from those names. Uh, also, Scientific Creationism was a book that I thought really helped me as a new Christian that Morris put together, I think, along with the Genesis Flood. Uh, good, great, just some some great resources out there. Chris, do you have any thoughts before we go to the next question?
0: Well, I was going to talk about some of the same things that Mark did, because uh, I've got a list here of scientists. Uh, I'll throw out a couple names. I'm not sure if you mentioned them in case I overlooked it. But uh, Louis Pasteur, uh, believed in God. And uh, of course, the big one, uh, Albert Einstein. And what's unique about Einstein is that he lived into the 20th century up to 1955. And even during that time after you know two world wars uh, the development of the rocket and just so many scientific accomplishments here was a guy and i'm not i'm not sitting here debating his theology uh you know he was he was uh, you know he faltered in some things but he he was finding he was wanted to find the answers of god uh he was looking for god and what he did and he he had to quote i am not an atheist uh he had to stand up and publicly proclaim that especially to the scientific community that in the 20th century is trying to debunk anything that God has created or done. And I think that that's kind of the motivation for many scientists that call themselves, you know, factual or, or real, um, that don't include faith as we've been talking about here. But, uh, this is a quote Einstein had made. He said, I want to know how God created this world. I'm not interested in this or that phenomenon in the spectrum of this or that element. I want to know know
2: his
0: thought a question that a lot of people ask and he in in all his brilliance uh is still someone who's asking the questions that we're asking today i think i'm breaking up a bit so i'm just going to leave it at that and then we'll uh we'll go on
2: let's get that next question in here and this kind of goes uh i think this is a really good question what are questions that even science cannot answer? And clearly on the show, we appreciate the uh, First of all, we're all believers in true science, <laughs> the facts and the way the universe actually works. Um, and so we, we're, yeah, there there are things that are true um, in math and biology and et cetera. We just would say that all that points to God, all that points to a great designer and a creator. And that the author of the bible and the creator of the universe are one and the same and so true science and the bible are always going to be in agreement and so we'll I'll, I'll debate with that year right until the end of time on that one but this is a great question from the standpoint of because when i was back in portland oregon back there i'd see a lot of signs in people's yards and they were kind of these politically correct signs of oh uh, they were signs that were in favor of abortion. They were in signs that were in favor of the homosexual movement. The And and in on the sign, they would say, I believe in science. And it's interesting that the people that said they believe in science were the same people that would probably deny that the baby in the womb is a baby. And you're going like, well, wait a minute, that's not science. I mean, you ever seen an ultrasound? Hello, come out of the dark ages on that one. But what are some things that science can't answer? Because I think we live, we are surrounded by a number of people, I think, that, that believe technology will save us. The, the Tower of Babel, I, I think it would be the Tower of Babel, is that we have this amazing technology. Eventually, we'll be able to come up with a cure for every disease. We'll be able to solve all our problems. We'll be able to solve all their social problems. And we'll be able to bring about a utopian world on the face of the earth and we don't need God. We don't need God. We can save ourselves. Gentlemen, what are some questions that science can't answer? Your thoughts?
1: Well, I'll say at the very beginning that uh, science has to know its purview. It has to know its limitations, and often it gets out of its limitations. Uh, The scientific method observation study has brought a lot of great things to this world, uh, both in industry, mechanics, medicine and so forth. we can be so thankful for the things that the science the scientific method and the scientists have been able to discover and use and of course all of that is just things that God has put here for us and they have simply been able to observe it, use it, study it, understand it and we're thankful for that. But science cannot tell us how everything came to be because you can't go back and scientifically test origins. The matter of origins is a religious and philosophic question. And science is way out of its purview in trying to determine the origin of the universe and the origin of the earth, the origin of human life. Uh, They can study this evidence, but the thing is they often deny the evidence that is there or ignore it. Uh, The evidence speaks to the fact that there is design and we can see design in the universe now, but the problem is they do not give the, the right uh, reason for that design. They're, the ID movement, the intelligent design movement is an excellent uh, idea, is the idea that there, there is some intelligence, there has to be some intelligence because there is design, just as there's design in the computers that we're using and the technology that we're using to be able to do this show Someone had to design that. There had to be intelligence behind it. That just didn't happen one day. And, oh, look, see what's here. You no, know, someone understood the principles behind all this, and it developed over time. And uh, so we science can know that there was a designer and can admit that. But how he did it, Hebrews 11, verse 3 says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Uh, we have to look to God's revelation as to how he did it. We can know that there is a God who did it, but how he did it, he has He has to reveal that to us. Science can't tell us that. Uh, and science can't even tell us the future. Meteorology can forecast, but they're often wrong. They can't tell us the future. Only God, who is not limited by time, can tell us the future. But science sometimes thinks they can answer all that, and they can't.
2: Mark, great observations i guess another one would be that science can often tell us whether something is feasible it cannot tell us whether we should pursue it Uh, i know right now there's a lot of discussion on artificial intelligence and science can probably tell us yeah this is feasible but there's a number of people making a warning out there like whoa 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 should we open this pandora's box i think there's a number of people that Oh, behind the social media platforms are now saying, I'm not sure if what we created was such a good thing after all. Maybe we should have thought through this. Um, Terry Benton, what do you have, Terry?
3: Well, uh, I think science can know this, that you can't get something from nothing. If you start with nothing, you're always going to have nothing. So how do you explain where matter came from? Well, science can't explain it because the matter that we have is not eternal it doesn't have the eternal characteristics so where did it come from it had to come from some eternal source that was capable of bringing it into being so whatever has a beginning has to have an adequate explanation for how it began and then what uh, they 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 pos they they theorize that um, there was a a great explosion of this matter and they call that the big bang. But what, what caused the matter to start with and then what caused the explosion? And then they can't explain how you bring together something out of the disorder of an explosion. How do you get order out of disorders explosions? create havoc and disorder, but they never create order. So how did you bring together an orderly universe that works with precision and clockwork? And then on top of that, another thing that science cannot answer is, well, even if you can, even if we can grant that there was an explosion and things just kind of fell into place, where did you get life out of this, I mean, explosion is just dead matter. It creates, you know, it's a fireball, and fireballs destroy any possibility of life. Where do you get life out of all of this? Uh, We can't explain by the scientific method. Well, here's here's a demonstration. You can get life from non-life, and here's how you do it. Science ought to be able to do that, but science can't do that. Uh, the cause of life. You can theorize, you can say, well, uh, here's what, how we think it might have, but you still haven't demonstrated it, that that's a scientific answer. What cause then, even if you could theorize that you can get some life from non life, which you can't, which is not scientific, how do you get intelligence? an animal instinct where does that come from that's not anything visible you certainly can't test this and uh and show this is how you get intelligence out of non-life or out of the first formed life whatever created itself here's how you got intelligence to form you can't do that science is very limited there Uh, Then we have this this issue of inside of each of us is a mind, a mind with intelligence, but it's more than just I can deal with facts and I can sort them out and I can I can look at uh, how things work. But what makes you, as we mentioned a while ago, what makes you think there is right and wrong? There's a matter of ought, a conscience that says, well, maybe we ought not to do this, this uh, artificial intelligence that we can, maybe we can make it happen, but should we make it happen? Where's this moral sense? Where did that come from? Who, who started this moral consciousness that there is right and wrong, and I, there is this sense that I ought to, I ought and I ought not to do certain things. where did that come from? You can't test that in a in a tube, and you can't test that in any kind of of uh, uh, scientific method of discovery. You can't do it. There is that conscience, that spirit within each of us that says, "I believe that this might be good, or this might not be good," and here's the reason why I think we ought not, or we ought to do certain things a sense of right and wrong. Where did that come from? Where did the idea of, uh, of God come from? Did we, did we just make that up? I mean, who imagines things? Where did the imagination come from? Can we, can we, uh, look in some scientific method? Here's how the human imagination started. And here's how that developed. You can't do that. So science, scientists science the scientific method that the naturalistic scientist uses just cannot discover a lot of things so it is not the end all of everything that that uh, knowledge Uh, it doesn't give us all the knowledge we need to answer many many different questions so uh, relying upon that is just very foolish it's good to a certain extent, but it's not good on answering some of the very basic questions about our existence. Those are my thoughts.
2: Yeah, it cannot, it cannot answer any questions of right and wrong. It, it, it cannot help you. It cannot help you put your marriage together. It can't help you parent. Uh, it, 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 it it's, it, it falls short when it comes to how to treat other people and relationships. Not only that, but it cannot answer the question of how much more valuable is a man than a sheep that Jesus pointed out. It can't answer that question as far as really science has no way to put things in their proper category of value. What is the value of a single individual? Science can't do that. Before we go on to the next question, Chris, you got any observations?
0: Well, I can't help but bring up Job 38, I mean, and other passages where God, you know, defends his understanding of the universe, uh, down to describing that he created dirt clods. When when that was first pointed out to me, and just the kind of brazen way it was said, that God knows where dirt clods come from. I was reminded of uh, Job 38, 38, and he's questioning Job, saying, you know, who has seen this? Who can do this? Now that, that's what, that's, what's amazing to me is there's no scientists in the world that can do the things that God has done. They've left it up to a big question mark. They left it up to a hypothesis. Uh, God answers many things that man has not understood. We've just figured out what God has all always known. Of course, one of the classic examples we like to use is, uh, you know, in Psalms about the, uh, the, the rivers through the seas, uh, which today, uh, um, serve as our shipping lanes and things like that, where we found out, uh, throughout time. And, um, uh, was Murray Fontaine, I think, uh, there's a statue of him over in Annapolis. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the ones that, you know, spent his life charting those things, um, you know, where they found out that in the seas you have rivers that run through. I mean, they're all, they're named, uh, they're very particular all from the way I understand it. And there's some embellishment, I think in the, and some of the historical teachings of it, but, you know, all coming from, you know, what God said, uh, you know, about the paths through the seas. And one day somebody's got to look at these things and say, Hmm, I wonder what that means. Let's go out and find out because God already knew he made this earth with age. They want to look at uh, the creation of the earth as being billions of years old. How in the world could, uh, you know, a Canyon, um, be formed without millions of years of erosion well god made it to look like that uh god made adam and eve as full-grown individuals um you know god can skip a process or two (laughs) as time goes on and i love what you said terry i hadn't thought about it before that a big bang or an explosion it destroys i never really put that together before but other questions that come up that science can't answer is you know what happened before the big bang Uh, you know, where, where did things come from? The big one, especially for us is, is there existence after this life? what's after now? And that's where you need the spiritual understanding. That's where you need faith. Um, they still haven't figured out how the human brain works. I had to get a new battery for my lawnmower the other day, wondering, How does this thing stay charged? You know, does it use an alternator like a car? How do these intricate machines work? How does this body grow from a baby into a man and then to, you know, age and decay, uh, you know, all along while it's eating pizza and donuts? I mean, it just it's amazing to think the uh, the strength of the human body. And at the same time, it's frailty. Uh, God has designed a piece of artwork here. That just didn't happen on its own, and uh, of course, you know some of the big questions that are happening in our society today. Uh, well, I'm sure you've heard of the argument, you know, what is a woman? Uh, your big scientists don't want to answer that now, <laughs> and I'll leave that at that.
2: <laughs> I won't get into that discussion. Yeah. that's a good point, Chris. I mean, it, once you get to the point that you're unwilling to ask honestly answer the question, what's a woman? What's a man? Then I think you've lost all your credibility. Uh, you yeah, you know. find it
0: really hard to trust their science about
2: anything. <laughs> yeah, you, you've made a wrong turn. You made a wrong turn somewhere. Our next question is an interesting question. Uh, what a, What is agnosticism? And is it a viable position that one can hold? Is it a place? Is it a good foundation? Can I camp there? Can I live my life on a foundation of agnosticism? Gentlemen, what do you got for us?
1: I have no idea what that is, and I don't care, Mark. I, I don't think we can know one way or the other what that's about. Now, that's just, that's just an illustration of what agnosticism is. It's the idea of just simply saying there's just no way that we can know. Uh, gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. You put a alpha in front of it or A in our language, and that means no knowledge or without knowledge. And so the idea is that we just can't know for sure. It's a, I've always called it simply a compromise position. You don't want to take a stand. Uh, As the title of one book on evidences, there is evidence that demands a verdict. Agnosticism says, I don't want to make that verdict. Uh, I don't think we can really know. Well, the evidence is abundant. We can know one way or the other, but the agnostic simply doesn't want to do the hard work of determining what the truth is. And you don't wanna stand before God someday and say, look, I just didn't think I knew one way or the other. And God say, I gave you abundant evidence uh, you could know. Uh, agnosticism is just a cleaned up version of atheism is all it is. Uh, and the fool has said in his heart, there is no God.
2: Mark, great comments, because it does remind me that it's a very self-defeating position um, and kind of contradicts itself to say that I don't know. Well, then why don't you find out? Why don't you do some more research? Why don't you, uh, is it, is it, I don't know, or I don't want to know. I, I think a lot of times with agnosticism is I don't want to know, because if I do know, then I have to make a decision. If I do know, then I have to start changing my life. Moral implications start kicking in. And you know, maybe I can't live with my girlfriend anymore. I mean, just things like that. I have to clean up my life and I don't want to be cleaning up my life right now. And it reminds me of the people in the time of Jesus that says, we need another sign. Uh, if you come down from the cross now, we'll believe you. That just It seems like it, that smacks of agnosticism is, well, there's not enough evidence or the evidence isn't conclusive. And it's interesting, the Holy Spirit's already spoken on that real clear in Psalm 19 and Romans 120 and other places. Terry Benton, what do you got?
3: Well, I think you took my fire away from me. I, I think that's the point is that they don't want to know. It's it's not like, you know, God, there is no availability of knowledge. No, it's, you're saying you don't know if there is and you're not really willing to look at it. I mean, the universe is crying out and saying, "This is the handiwork of God." You look at a at a, a house; that's the handiwork of somebody. You can't just say, "Well, I don't know who, how that got formed," uh, and I don't I don't think anybody can know. No, somebody knows, and somebody can tell you information that will help you to know how that house was formed. There is information available to let you know how this universe was formed. Uh, Not only is there the implication of handiwork, but there is testimony from the one who did the handiwork. And uh, and you just can't just take the Bible and and just dismiss it and say, I I don't know if the Bible was testimony from God or not. Now, Peter made the statement in, in 2 Peter, he says, we have, the prophetic word made more sure. Now here's the surety of the prophetic word. And he says it's made more sure because here we've seen the fulfillment of it. All right. So you got testimony ahead of time and then you find it fulfilled the surety of that it was from God. And here's an agnostic. So, well, I I don't know. I don't know if that's, uh, if we can count that as testimony from God, you don't know because you don't want to know because looking at the evidence is proof that God has testified, as was mentioned just a moment ago. Uh, He's shown us by the testimony of each of those 66 books of the Bible. Each one of those display some testimony about god his wisdom his plan and his desire for our salvation and here's an agnostic just saying i don't know and and the truth is you just don't want to know because the testimony is very very sure the word of god is extremely powerful and i think we're going to be looking at some of that evidence or uh suggested evidence in just a moment but You know, just pretending not to know and pretending that nobody can know is to dismiss people who have known. I mean, you can't go back and say, Paul didn't know. You can't go back and say, Jesus didn't know about God. He couldn't have known about God. How do you know he couldn't? He knew he could. Paul knew he had these experiences. There's no doubt in their minds. Now, there might be doubt in your mind, but People have known. And so to say that you can't know means you're going to dismiss the, te- the historical testimony of so many who have known and who have experienced the knowledge of God himself. And So those are my thoughts about that.
2: Terry, good thoughts. You know, I mean, as you said, there's plenty of evidence. That is, we have evidence around us that something cannot come from nothing. We have evidence around us that life only comes from pre existing life and that you produce after your own kind. That's it. We, we see that consistently. We've never seen exceptions to that. Uh, we have uh, evidence for man that man is completely different from the animals, that man has an inherent moral and religious nature. We see that. We see that the universe is intricately designed at every single level. And that the earth sits on a razor's edge for precise life and existence. We see that. And we have a book that claims to be from God. With all the earmarks of being from God. Man, that's a lot of evidence. But let's throw up this next question, Chris. Um, And that is, what if someone says, well, how can I believe in someone or something I've never seen? How would you answer that?
0: I would answer by one single word: faith. <laughs> that doesn't mean a lot for a lot of people. Um, there are many facts about the existence of God, and I've pointed out many times. I can I can look at a tree and I see God. That may not convince an atheist, but again, I have to refer back to Job, Job twelve seven through nine. God said, "Look at the things that are around you." Uh, he said, "Ask the beasts; they will teach you. The birds of the heavens; they will tell you." Or the bushes of the earth they will teach you the fish of the sea will declare to you who among these does not know that the hand of the lord has done this and in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind you know there, there's power out there you don't want to wait out in the ocean and mess with the waves they will knock you down they will take your life i was mowing my grass this morning trying to get ready for some company to come i was taking down this old fence and I cut down all the wires. I cut down all the things that were holding it together. But uh, the grass had grown up around the bottom of it and wanted to hang on to it. And I thought, wow, the earth is reclaiming. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's just its strong. It's amazing. Uh, the power that is out there uh, that is beyond our control. But, you know, thinking about this particular topic in regard to how I can believe in something or something I've never seen. It almost takes a lifetime of understanding. I'm learning more about God all the time. Number one, through the Bible. That's how I gain that knowledge. And then I go out and see how life just mirrors what God has already revealed. I can trust him. I have prayed to him, spoken to him. I've seen his answers in my life. So that may be hard for an atheist or an agnostic to really comprehend. Uh, You got to give it a shot. You got to try it. You've got to see and it's uh, it's a it's a long, sometimes difficult road. But there are people getting back to that thought about agnosticism that just have that mentality that they don't want to know. They want to claim ignorance because they don't want to be accountable to you know the answers they'll find. I, I'm reminded of what Jesus said to the religious people about the baptism of John. And he said, uh, you tell me, is the baptism of John from God or from man? And they wouldn't answer him. They wouldn't answer. That's not about science, but it's about the mentality of people uh, that gets into every fiber of our existence today. Whether you're talking science or uh, obviously religion or psychology, um, they didn't answer because one, they feared the people. Now, if you say he's not a prophet, well, they're going to be upset because they counted him as a prophet. And then they feared Christ because, you know, they said, well, if we say yes. It's by divine authority by from God. And Jesus is going to look at us and say, well, why didn't you do it? And that's exactly what we're going to say to God when we stand before him. The day of judgment is we give an account for our lives here and the agnostic, the atheist, all those that have found reasons not to believe or try to find reasons are going to be held accountable for those someday.
2: You know, it's interesting, gentlemen, that this is an interesting one because actually we believe we do this all the time. Uh, we, we believe in historical characters, even though we've never seen them. We might have seen a picture of them or what is supposedly a, a artist's rendition of them. But we believe all sorts of events of history. We believe in the existence of all sorts of people that live before us. Not only that, but if you've never ventured much out in the world, you believe in all sorts of places that you've never seen personally. You believe in on the basis of testimony, eyewitness testimony. And it's just interesting is you have a lot of faith already in things that you cannot prove 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt. You already have faith in things like that just in this world there's a lot of evidence for God's existence. Gentlemen, you got some other comments on this before we move to that, to our next question.
3: Let's see. Yeah, I, w- I would say, have you ever seen your spirit or your mind? If you haven't, do you still believe for good reason that you have a mind and spirit? I think we'd all say, you know, I don't have to see everything to know it's there and to know that it's working. The air that I breathe, I, I've never seen the air. I don't know what I've never seen oxygen. Do well if you've never seen it. Do you believe in oxygen anyway? Because all you've got is somebody testifying that there is such a thing as oxygen, and you're just assuming that's what it is just because you're breathing in and out. Uh, I think it's. I, I think we could keep on looking at things like that gas. It. Uh, uh, I've not seen gas. Maybe I can see some effects of it, but I don't see gas. I, but I believe it exists because I've seen the effects of it. Same thing with God. I don't. I don't have to see God to know the effects. To see the effects is to see the reality behind the effects. Just like oxygen. Just like gas. Those are things we don't have to see but seeing the effects is enough. You breathe air because God gave you the power to suck it in and breathe it out. You have that power because of the effects of God himself. God, you wouldn't be here. Would it? Uh, with And we pointed out earlier, there's no good explanation except God for why you're here to start with and how you have these certain abilities to breathe and, and Think and have conscience and conscience. I've never seen my conscience, but I believe I have one uh, But why because it's always bothered me when I did wrong and it's always uh, Given me a sense of satisfaction when I've done something good and right So uh, I don't have to see everything to uh, to know it's there Thinking why are we even thinking I've never saw a thought Uh, But I believe that we have a mind to think with, and uh, it's there, not because some chemicals just came together accidentally a long time ago. Such chemicals as we've never seen produce such things before, and yet we look at our body, and uh, Psalm 139 says, we are wonderfully made. I know, and that my soul knows very well. We're talking about the existence of a well put together plan, uh, a design. And so I don't have to believe or know the designer exists in order to know, hey, this was designed by someone and uh and in the case of the universe and our human body and our mind and our soul and the air that we breathe to make it keep going and the food that we eat and the ability to reproduce and those kinds of things those are because somebody designed us. i don't have to see him to see the effects and uh, to to see the effects is to know the reality of something that i don't have to see yet and i also hear hear his testimony he says one day you will see me you'll see me as i am and you'll see me with a an immortal body you know those are testimonies from somebody somebody gave those testimonies who was it well it was somebody that was capable of testifying of those future things well that'd be god God has testified, so I don't have to see him now to listen to his testimony and know his promises have always come true. And I'll see him as he is in the future. Those are my thoughts.
0: Terry, it reminds me of uh, your comments, remind me of a statement I once heard about, you know, why don't you believe in evolution? Somebody says, well, I don't have that much faith (laughs) because, you know, the evolutionist believes in something he hasn't seen.
1: Mark, remember that in John chapter 20, after Thomas heard the other apostles say that we had seen the Lord, he said, unless I see, unless I see. Well, Jesus gave him the ability to see him in person. And he told him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus believed. Jesus, I said, rather said that we could believe in something we haven't seen. Absolutely. Let's
2: go on to that final question that we have for today's show. If someone asked you why you believe in God, what five reasons would you give them? A- Already've we've, we've mentioned different things. Um, and, and I guess some of the things that we've already mentioned of that life can only come from pre-existing life. and the ultimate pre-existing life is God. Spiritual values can only come from that which is spiritual. Moral values can only arise from that which is moral amazing design and complexity and order can only come from, you know, a great designer, a great mathematician, a great engineer. Um, And so we've already kind of dealt with a little bit of that one of the things I've been thinking about recently is what is the alternative you turn your back on God you abandon God, what do you have. Well, you really have nothing. You've opted for nothingness. Because what you're saying is, okay, I'm, I'm gonna turn my back on God and now here's what I have. I have no value. I'm just a speck in a vast universe. That's finite. That's fallible. That's limited. I'm gonna die. I have no existence after that. There is no right or wrong. There is no justice. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. There is no fulfillment. That's what I have left. And not only that, but it just, I don't know, the the existence of God answers everything around you. It gives a great answer for your existence, you know, why you say, hey, you shouldn't do that. Where'd that come from? Okay, it comes from the fact you're made in God's image. It answers all those things and why things work and where did things come from. But man, you abandon God and you've got nothing. You've really got nothing. Those would be one of the things I'd have my audience think about on this particular program today. But gentlemen, what else do you have as we kind of deal with this final question and round out our show for today?
3: i would give my five my five things and i think they intersect with what you've said too is that the heavens declare the glory of god number one psalm 19 uh that was proof positive to david and it was proof positive to Job, as was mentioned earlier it was proof to paul and so that man is without excuse all right so the heavens itself the universe itself second the law of the lord is testimony from god the law of the lord is not some abstract thing that just came into existence without some mind behind it well that's testimony from the lord you have the bible and it's not just a rule book it's not just some rules that came out of nowhere it came from a mind superior to man's i wouldn't make rules for myself uh forbidding me to do things I felt like would make me give me some degree of pleasure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make so the law of the Lord is testimony from the Lord. The second, the third thing I would say is the prophetic features of the Bible say there was a mind behind this that was greater than the mind of man. He could tell when cities were going to be destroyed. He could predict those things hundreds of years ahead of time. And lo and behold, they were destroyed. He could set, tell when a Messiah was coming, give the general time frame of when a Messiah was coming. And uh, the, the uh, fourth empire, the, the Roman empire would be the time when it would happen. And lo and behold, it happens just as the Bible had predicted. It tells that after the Messiah is cut off, there's going to be a, a time when the temple again would be destroyed there in Jerusalem. Again, hundreds and hundreds of years ahead of time. saying you're going to get a Messiah and then he's going to be, be killed. And then there's going to be a destruction of the temple. Again, man can't predict those things, but the prophetic features of the Bible are amazing. And then the wisdom and typology. This is my fourth thing. The wisdom of typology, that is typifying and foreshadowing Jesus all through the Old Testament are other ways of prophesying Jesus. Again, that's a mind that implants the vis- the, the outline of Jesus before he even gets here. That's not uh, done by human wisdom either. That's the mind of God. And my fifth thing is the witness of Jesus himself, him coming in the flesh men seeing him, being able to touch him, and to see him raised from the dead. Those are five really powerful points to me that say God is real and the Bible is his testimony, and I better not ignore it because to ignore it is to neglect so great salvation, and how would we escape if we neglect it? Those are my thoughts.
2: What you got, Mark?
1: Well, I'll just um, I'll just give over to Terry that he pretty much summed it up. I can't really add too much to that. I sort of center it in Jesus. He mentioned Christ, and I sort of center it all in Him. That He is the beginning and the end. He He goes all the way back to creation as the Creator. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is the He is God in the flesh. He was resurrected from the dead, and He will be the Judge at the end. So Jesus is sort of the center of all of that evidence. And without him, uh, without him, there is no reason to believe in God. He is God. And he came to show us God.
2: Great comments, gentlemen. Uh, Chris, uh, I think we had a, had some questions, had some good questions, had a great panel on today's show. Appreciate the men being available and our audience out there. So I will hand it back to you as we, as we continue this series every Tuesday at noon, Eastern time on why i believe
0: excellent excellent and certainly uh i mentioned earlier mowing my grass this morning and i was thinking about these questions just being out there and the amazing creation of god and and i have so much faith in in the creator as these men have already pointed out but i'm also reminded i'm gonna kind of look at it from the flip side too that um i don't really trust man's views (laughs) about things um you know god's never let me down man has Uh, and I'm a man and I've let people down, but, uh, man's views are always changing and they're not usually for the better. There are a lot of positive things we have going on in our world today, but there are a lot of negative things because of the ideas and philosophies of men that take God out of the equation. And I think that's proof in and of itself to shows that without God, things will fall apart. And, um, and I've never seen more evidence of it in my lifetime anyway, Than I see now Um, men are sinful and they come up with evolution and it's a guesswork. It doesn't make any sense. They try to make funny looking puzzle pieces fit together and you got moral issues there, moral issues. There's no creature on earth that's required of the morality that we are. And even the sinner understands that Uh, the worst of the heathen doesn't want to be lied to. He doesn't want somebody stealing from him. He doesn't want somebody taking his life. Everyone has some type of moral center, whether they're willing to practice that toward others or not. God gives us that balance. And the Bible itself, it's a proven revelation. It all connects. It gives us hope in a future. Uh, What in science does, what in man's philosophy does. It's words bless us along the way. I always like to see that, or at least say that, God blesses us until one day we get the big reward. And uh, there are many rewards along the way. And then finally, only a divine being could possibly give us this wonderful plan of salvation. Man couldn't have come up with it. Man wouldn't come up with it. Because what men typically do is they come up with a plan. Um, And and I'll just quote Romans chapter 1, verse 25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. If man came up with a plan, it would have involved spaceships. (laughs) Say that jokingly, of course, but really any doctrine that man comes up with usually involves pleasing man and making God like man. And, And that's where you run into a problem with all of these things that leave out the one true God, every every idol, every, um, you know, uh, old mythological God. They all, um, even in today's entertainment society are portrayed with the frailties of man and our God is not anyway. It's been great being with you all today. Looking forward to our next study and looking forward to some of you tomorrow on the Q and a, and so I hope everyone will tune in for that. Thanks to everyone who, was a part of our conversation today and uh, we've had some good comments and we appreciate that. So tomorrow, as I said, we are going to encourage you to uh, tune in to the live Bible Q and that's every Wednesday at noon Eastern time. If you have a question for that program, go ahead and send it into questions at answer Just send them an email and then don't forget you can listen to this program again in a podcast form. Uh, at some point this afternoon. And then, of course, remember to tune in every day to uh, Mark Dunnigan's Daily Answer podcast, and you'll be encouraged with words from God's Word. We look forward to seeing you next week, and if we can answer any questions for you or help you in any way to come to a better understanding of God's Word, maybe in the areas that you're in, reach out to us. We'd love to introduce you to Christians uh, wherever you might be. Um, They're all over and they're seeking God, they're good people, and we'd love for you to to know them. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Answering Religious Error.